0: This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. Here is your host, Chris Swain.
1: Today on the podcast, we are going to continue to talk about Jesus, who he is and why it's important that we have a biblical view a historical view that makes sense as a disciple who's following Jesus, because one of the challenges that we've had, um, and, and I know that we've talked about the American Jesus, the uh, the blonde surfer dude, Jesus, the the uh, Republican shotgun toting, Jesus. I mean, there's all kinds of views of Jesus in America, right? Um, and the reality is that just about all of them are uh, inaccurate. <laughs> and, yeah. and if you have an inaccurate view of the Messiah as a disciple, of the person you're following, you're going to live an inaccurate life as a disciple, right? So we want to have a clearer view of that. And you've talked about this a lot. It's it's a topic that you've been pretty interested in. And so tell me a little bit before we get started, because today I want us to get into a little bit about the Old Testament, a little bit about replacement theology, and then hopefully we'll get to why we haven't heard any of this stuff before. But before we do any of that, Tell me a little bit about how you got into this. Why did you start even looking into um, the reality of who Jesus is uh, in his context, instead of just continuing to cruise along like a lot of pastors and a lot of church leaders, and just um, and, and maybe focusing on some other uh, concept or topic from the scriptures?
2: Well, I uh, again, I heard, like I said last week, I heard Jesus was a dark-skinned Middle Eastern Jewish rabbi. From a Jewish land, Jewish customs, and I was not hearing that in pulpits I was uh, visiting during the weekend, and I wasn't hearing that on radio programs I listened through to during the week. And so I thought, man, we have to be missing something. Nobody's talking about this. And right. the problem is, when you don't know who Jesus really was, you create a Jesus in your own image to suit your own needs and wants. Right? That's what we do. We manufacture a <laughs> exactly. Jesus that fits nicely and neatly in the paradigm we have for what we want, right? So I started to study this. And so I found a ministry called uh, Judaic Christian Studies. I recommend this ministry if you're interested. It's called Mm -hmm. JC Studies, Judaic Christian, jcstudies.org. And the founder was a man named Dwight Pryor. Dwight Pryor was out of the new age religion. He was a high priest in the new age religion movement. Uh, I mean, he was up there, he was doing transcendental meditation. I mean, he was contacting, uh, the spirit world, clairvoyant re- I mean, you name it. He talks about this wow. in his testimony. I mean, he was in there, he was high yeah. up okay. and he said it left him empty he was searching out emotionalism and experience and it always left him empty. And so he started on this journey. He found Jesus and right away he got introduced to the Jewishness of Jesus. And so he went to the Hebrew university in Jerusalem and he studied, he learned Hebrew. He married a Hebrew woman. I mean, it was a long story. And so he started this ministry uh, about 30 years ago for Westerners predominantly to understand the Jewishness of Jesus. Dwight and I, Dr. Pryor and I hooked up right before he died. And for about three years, I call him my mentor in this, although most of the mentorship came through the CDs and MP3s that he discipled me through. I, I <laughs> wow. Can, and that's I used to tell him, school right there, MP3s, oh, yeah. he would yeah, send that, in- that's, that's what they, were. I mean, what else are they? He, 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 well, mostly CDs, to be yeah. honest with you, it was yeah. CDs in my car. And every time I go to seminary, I was going to learn theology and uh, preaching skills, but I would yeah. listen to Dwight there and back. It was an hour and a half drive one way. Well, and so I yeah. listened and I told Dwight this before he passed. I have listened to every single lesson he's ever taught. Wow. Every single lesson he's ever taught. That's cool. Uh, And he said, I don't think anybody's ever done it. Okay, but here's why I tell you that. I tell you that to say, I have engrossed myself in this movement to learn. And so I went to a retreat with Dwight. It was the first retreat. And here's what changed everything for me. I was at the retreat and my roommate at the time, uh, they just happened to hook me up with a Messianic Jewish believer. Now, Chris, do you know what a Messianic Jewish believer is? I do, I think. I okay, believe tell, tell it us. is a
1: it's someone of the Jewish heritage who recognizes Jesus as the Messiah.
2: Oh, that's good. Exactly. So this would be someone like, yeah, that is Can good. Can we pause <laughs> for
1: a moment? I got one right. Can we yeah, just first could, one of the season too?
2: <laughs> it may be the only one I've ever First one right of the season now. and the only one. Yeah. So uh this is a born Jewish man who has come to realize that Jesus is the Messiah that he and his family have been looking for. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now he teaches in a Messianic Jewish uh, synagogue. Now I'm not saying the Messianic Jewish movement is right on everything. And there are certain things that maybe as Christians, we would disagree with. However, This guy was an amazing sounding board for me to pepper him at night with questions when he was trying to sleep from a long day of lecturing from Dr. Dwight Pryor. Great for me, horrible for this poor man. <laughs> so
1: you were being that guy.
2: Yeah, I was that guy. And I knew it because I had one shot in my life to run with a messy oh, rabbi. and I was a young seminary student and man, I just peppered him with questions. Okay. I wonder and how he shares that story with his friends. Yeah, this young guy, big guy, was trying to I couldn't sleep. This guy kept aggravating. I was afraid (laughs) he was gonna beat me up if I didn't answer his question. Yeah, I didn't have a choice. He was gonna submit me. But anyway, so he uh this is what got me thinking though. The first lecture, uh, Dwight gave the lecture at the end of it, he asked the question, something to the line along the lines of this. When the woman who's bleeding for twelve years comes into the crowd in Luke chapter eight. Uh, verses 42 through 48, when that woman comes in the crowd and she reaches for the edge or the hem of the garment, it says, of Jesus, why does she do that? And I'm looking around, yeah. I'm like, well, because she can't grab onto his shoulder or she <laughs> doesn't have his belt. To, you it's know, the easiest thing to grab. Yeah, yeah, easy, the lowest hanging part to grab. He says, no, that's a direct reference to Numbers chapter 15, which says that Jewish men and women in verse 37, or Jewish men must have tassels on the edge of their garment. It's also another reference to Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 12, which says make tassels of four corners. But the real reference is Malachi chapter four, verse two, when it says that the Messiah will come, remember this, with healing in his wings, the word wings there in Hebrew is the Hebrew word kanaf, which is the same word as corner or hem. So the Jewish wow. people leading up to Jesus believe that when the Messiah comes, according to Micah 4.2, he will have healing in his kanaf, his tassels, hmm. his corner. Yeah, yeah. And so what he says, which is mind blowing, he says, this woman said without saying a word, you, my friend are the Messiah.
0: Hmm.
2: If he would have had a mic, it definitely would have been on the floor at that point, because I, I was stunned. I'm like, I have yeah. never heard this before. Yeah.
1: And, and so that, that's the kind of thing, like when, when you're sharing a, a powerful story like that, because again, I think if you look at the depth of the scripture, and we've talked about this before, but you read the Bible and you read that surface level story. And we're actually probably going to get into this uh, concept in a couple of weeks before we get into the break, just to kind of break this down a little bit, you know, you share that story pretty quickly, pretty easily, because you've studied it, you've thought about it, you've written a book about it. <laughs> and, and so those kinds of things just, they're, they're so exciting for me, one, because I've never made those connections. And so when you begin to make those connections, it just magnifies who Jesus is and how powerful this... Uh, this God that we serve and believe in really is. You know, when, when you look at that as just, okay, she just grabbed this cloth. It was the one that was available and we moved on that you are missing the deep and rich understanding of who God is and just how amazing God is. I mean, it's just like putting a spotlight on again, how amazing our God that we serve is and it makes God so much bigger than this small, uh, sometimes small Jesus that we tend to follow within the construct of our own minds. You know, we, when we come to Christ, we die to ourselves to follow Jesus. And then we slowly begin the process of making him like us. That's, that's the American process of following Jesus. If, yeah. if I, if I look around in general, and that's the, 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 the cool thing about what you're talking about here, and I know there's so many of those of these things through scripture, and we'll talk a lot more about those in the weeks to come, is that when the more we and you said this last week, the more we understand who Jesus is the more we love him and the more we love him, the more we want to obey his commands and be like him. And that is that process that continues to happen. Even as you shared that story and I've heard that and that information, I've heard that several times, but every single time, I mean, I get chill bumps and I think, man, God is in every single facet and detail. And when you see it in the context it was meant to be seen in, it is an incredible uh, just unearthing of truth that makes me want to pursue him even more. Uh, it secures my confidence in who he is, and it makes me want to tell other people about him. I mean, that's the the beauty of really? having this kind of understanding.
2: And and here's the thing: we come back from the break. I'll give you the second connection he made because he wasn't done. Oh wow! He was just getting started, man. And and we are too.
0: As you lead your disciple-making movement, the Replicate Network provides ongoing practical training and a community of like-minded church leaders to help you and your church thrive. Each month, you'll get frameworks, a Q&A time with Robbie Gallaty, and access to our online forums and groups. We will provide you with prayer and personal support, practical resources, discounts, and benefits as you seek to make disciples who make disciple-makers. Check out the Replicate Network today at replicatenetwork.com. And we're back,
1: continuing to navigate uh, who Jesus is and why some of these important contextual understandings can be so profound. And you were sharing about uh, this woman who had this problem for years and she pursued Christ and reached out and, and touched the hem of his garment. And again, what we thought of as believers before we understood that context, and then the, just the, again, the eye-opening truth of what happens when we see it through the biblical and really that his contextual lens. So you, you talked about how that wasn't all. There's more to
2: it. There's yep. more to that story. Well, and uh, later in the conversation – uh, Dr. Pryor says, uh, does anyone know why Jesus's first miracle was at a wedding turning water into wine? Does anyone know that? And I thought, well, he's definitely not Baptist because as Baptist, we would have turned the wine into water. But so we know, <laughs> we know that one. But, but really, uh, why did he do that? And so guys looked around. And again, my Jewish Messianic rabbi roommate raises his hand. And he says two things, uh, Dr. Pryor. He said, number one is this. He said, Jesus' first miracle is at a wedding. Why? Because the Bible is all about weddings. When Moses comes down from the mountain in the book of Exodus with the law, the people go through what's called a ketubah, which is a wedding agreement. Hmm. The wedding agreement is these are the rules and expectations Your response is to say, I will do them. I do. And we do it today. Do you take? Yeah, I do. Do you take Melissa? Yes, I do. If you go back to Moses coming down from the mountain, not the golden calf time, the second time after he broke Mm -hmm. the commandments, they have a wedding ceremony where Moses says, here's the commandments. And the people say in unison, we will do this, giving us this idea that there's a wedding. Then we fast forward to Jesus beginning his earthly ministry. The very first miracle is at a wedding. There's no accident with that. Mm-hmm. The, the miracles at a wedding because the wedding is the consummation or the, the connection between the husband and the wife. And remember the husband and the wife are a picture of the gospel. Christ is the husband. The mm-hmm. wife is the church. One day this wedding is going to be fully realized at the end of the Bible where God says we will all sit around the wedding table for a ceremony hmm. where the people of God, his chosen people will be married once and for all to Christ, their husband, if you will. And we will be with him for eternity. There'll be no more tears, no more mourning, no more pain, no more shame. He said, but there's one more insight. He
1: could have stopped there. there. It, and that it, was there, I was mean, done. This is like a midnight tele, uh, television commercial, right? An infomercial, but
2: wait, <laughs> Oh, We're late. <laughs> There's more. But here's what he said. And after this, this is what got me. He said, Robbie, or he said to the group, uh, he said, here's the deal. The wet the the wedding uh ceremony and the first miracle is actually a shadow, uh, a, a callback, if you will, to the very first miracle of Moses. Mm-hmm. When Jesus turns water into wine, the colors are white to red. Moses' first miracle. And remember, Jesus is the new Moses. That's what Matthew's whole goal is. And we'll see this in the weeks ahead. Matthew's whole goal is to prove that Jesus is the new Moses. It's a callback to Moses when the very first plague was to turn the water of the Nile into blood. Oh, wow. And there's an amazing connection here Mm -hmm. with Jesus and Moses. Now, the difference we know is that Moses was incapable of doing what he was called to do. And that was to lead the people into the promised land. But friends, we serve a savior who conquered death, hell, and the grave, Mm -hmm. and who did what he came to do, where Adam was incapable, where Moses dropped the ball, Jesus finished victoriously and doing everything the father has called him to do. We got back to the room that night. And again, I was peppering him with questions. And I said, let me ask you, how do you know this stuff? Here's what he said. He said, the problem with you, Western American Christians," and he said it with love, obviously, but he said the problem, with, it hurt, but he said, the problem with you, Western American Christians is that you don't understand the old. Therefore, you never fully appreciate the new. Mm.
1: Yeah, we, we, we think about Jesus in light of, like we mentioned before, the current context we're in, and we, attract, and we try to apply Jesus to our context. Yeah. I think that's what it, our yes. problem is. We try to take Jesus and wedge him into the context that we are in. We try to take scripture and wrap it around. It's called eisegesis. I think you may have taught me this, or maybe I learned in right. seminary by accident long ago. But the reality is we try to take these truths and plug them into our life and kind of look at it through that lens. And, and, and the beauty of this is let's look at Jesus in the context he was in and see what God is trying to say and do. And from that, that uh, we break down the passage in the scripture and we see who he is. And it's just so, it's so different of an approach. And, and, and again, you mentioned this before, but it's that
2: Western way. And, uh, and so one of the things, so here's that, what he said, here's what he yeah. said, let me finish. So what he said was, The problem is you don't know the old Testament. And he asked me this question. He said, how do you share the gospel with a lost person? And I said, Oh, that's easy. That's easy. The Romans wrote, uh, for, uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one's righteous. No, not one. No one seeks after God. No one understands. Have all together become meaningless. No one's righteous. No, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, for, uh, you know, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, Jesus died on the cross, was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. So I kind of rolled that off to him. He said, that's great. He said, that's a very Western approach to sharing the gospel. I said, how do you share the gospel? He said, I use the Bible Jesus used, which you call the Old Testament. For Jesus, it was the only Testament,
1: <laughs> the OT. It was still the OT. Uh-huh. It was just the OT. It was the, the,
2: it was the only, Yeah, it was the OT. It was the only <laughs> testament for them. Right. Uh, and we'll talk about that next week. But the problem with "old" in front of a uh, in front of something is, and it's an adjective that describes something outdated, archaic, and non-useful. Hmm. And many people listening would say, "That's how I look at the Old Testament. It's just there for commentary and history, but it means really nothing to my life." He said, "When I start to share the gospel, I start from the beginning." God, in the beginning, created all things. God, in the beginning, spoke all things into existence. God, in the beginning, created man and woman perfect, and they were very good. But then sin entered the world, Genesis 3, separated God from man, and then man has been trying to make his way back to God. He did it in the form of building towers. He did it in the form uh, of doing perverse things in and of himself. So God wipes the world out with a flood. And then now God sends a man and through a man, he gives a nation and through the nation, the nation will bless the world. And the nation has waited for the promised Messiah who will one day come and rectify wrong and make things right. And that Messiah will live a perfect life. And in him, there will be a substitution of a sin sacrifice so that you can live for eternity. He said, that's how I start to share the gospel. He said, the problem is You don't understand and appreciate the new because you really don't understand the old. Whoa. And that was what started me on a 16 year journey Mm. where I had, and let me tell you, I was talking to Jonathan uh, about this the other day. There has yet to be a pastoral assistant, Jonathan, Jonathan, my pastoral assistant at Longhollow. Jonathan and I were talking and he's been studying this as well. I told him the other day, 16 years of this, 17 years almost. I have yet, to get to a place where I don't look at some of the same passages and see something totally different of a new perspective of the Bible. The rabbis used to say, we'll close with this. The rabbis used to say the Bible is like a multi-cut diamond. Hmm. Every time you take the passage, you can take the same passage. And if you turn it ever so slightly, you'll Hmm. see a different perspective with a different prism in different colors and a different vibrance and brilliance from the same passage because it's like a fine diamond. Wow.
1: That is awesome. Once again, very edifying. Even as I listen and we walk together, hopefully those listening, one, we want to thank you for checking it out. Uh, Please do us a favor and share it with someone Uh, that you think would benefit from it. Don't forget the show notes can be found at replicate.org. Our Twitter is replicate men, replicate M I N short for ministry, replicate men on Twitter, and then check out replicate ministries on Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share the podcast. And then finally, if you don't mind, review the podcast, have a great week. Can't see you next time.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode. Take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast. You can receive more free resources to help you make disciples in your home, group, or church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at
2: replicate.org.